When people in the Midlands want to talk, they talk to Will Faulkner. Well, good morning. How are you? That's a very disturbing story covered by Midlands103.com of people making threats to light up Mullingar Barracks because it's being used as a refugee accommodation centre? Is that something you can understand or support or get your head around? And what should be the response? Also today, why is it that wine or beer that contains no alcohol is just as expensive as the alcoholic equivalent? And tax breaks, if you are... Working in various professions, you can claim what are called flat rate expenses and they're being increased. We'll have more details for you in just an hour's time. When you call 0818 300 103 is my number, you can text or WhatsApp 083 30 10 103 powered by Lamb Brothers Toyota in Tullamore. And some good news as well and a huge hats off to Shane Lowry who has donated 10 thousand euro to the Joey campaign. Joey is the son of Natalie and Tommy Conway from Tullamore. He's had a really tough two years in his short life and he needs surgery in Chicago that's going to cost over 300,000 euro. But thanks to you and to so many good people here in the Midlands and beyond, they are getting so close to that target. It's within touching distance. And Shane with a very generous donation there. Anyway, let's see what's happening around the region and around the world. What are the top stories in the papers today? You see Sinead O'Connor on the front of the Irish Independent. The coroner in the UK has ruled she died of natural causes. And a special tribute show has been announced to honour not only Sinead, but Shane McGowan, who, like her, came up through the ranks of music in London. And so this event is being arranged for Carnegie Hall in New York and there will be another in London. Um, Ms O'Connor was found dead on the 26th of July. It's that long ago, years of age, but the coroner has ruled that there was no foul play. It was natural causes. The top story, though, on the Irish Independent, Minister alarmed at latest changes to Fair Deal scheme. Fair Deal is the nursing home subvention and the junior health minister, with responsibility for older people, Mary Butler, is worried this latest change could see elderly people coerced out of their homes prematurely. And the reason for that is, at the moment, if you rent out your home, 40% of that rent will be counted in the assessment of means for fair deal. And the change which was approved by Cabinet just before Christmas means none of that rental income will be counted. You can keep it all. And she's concerned some families will make the decision to encourage or force or coerce or whatever word you want to use their parents into a nursing home. I'm not sure that's entirely well-founded because it's not just a family decision. Doctors, medical professionals, they carry out assessments and if you have a score that shows you need full-time care, then and only then do you go in. 
and policy generally tries to keep people in their homes living independently for as long as possible. And home care packages will be an option too. So I'm not sure how well-founded her concern is, but time will tell, obviously. That's bonkers is the headline on the front of the Irish Daily Star. Cop sex woman says she is not racist over anti-asylum protests. What on earth is this about? Um, So her name is Carla and she appeared in a rather infamous video uh, online in which she was pleasuring Agartha and she now works as a trucker in Ballon Robe and she has joined the ongoing protest against the asylum centre there. Uh, But she denies she is racist. How on earth do they find these stories? Anyway, Irish Times, world almost at critical 1.5 degree threshold. This is the news that last year was the warmest on record. And the barrier of one and a half degrees of an increase, which scientists had set some years ago, we are very, very close to breaching that barrier. And what else is on the front pages? 14 migrant children discovered on a lorry from Rosslare Port, or excuse me, from France to Rosslare Port. And the discovery was made on Monday afternoon. I should correct that. Two children among 14 migrants, so 12 adults and two children were found within this trailer. Let's go inside the paper. Some good news if you are a worker. There are various professions which allow you to claim flat rate tax expenses. Now, they're not a king's ransom, but they come in handy. For instance, if you are a cardiac technician, you can claim €310 back in your tax for uniforms. And what was a quirk in the system up until now Male cardiac technicians could claim less than female cardiac technicians. So everybody's getting an increase to €310. There are also changes um, for other workers who previously could not claim flat rate expenses, but new categories have been created for them. So Charlie Weston writes in the Irish Independent, And it's worth checking out as you may be filling out the Med 1 form at this time of year and making other claims. Flat rate expenses you might just qualify for. So check that out as well. Irish Independent today. The story on Midlands103.com that somebody has made a threat to light up Mullingar barracks. Well, at the same time, the Irish Times has an opinion piece about the demonisation of single migrant men, how it has bounced from the far right to the mainstream. And there are some some valid points in this. For instance, the former state pathologist, Mary Cassidy, always said, it's the man in your bed, not the man under your bed, you should be worried about. Almost nine out of ten women who died in violent circumstances in Ireland knew their killer. It wasn't a stranger. Ah. And, and yes, that is true. And there is no denying, as she points out in this article, how misinformation can very quickly circulate in a community, such as in Finglas last year, when it was claimed a migrant was behind a sexual attack. But in fact, the Gorthy said it was a white 
Irish person who was suspected, but the information made no difference. But that is not to say it is invalid or racist for a community to say, hang on, such as what happened in Kinnegad last year, if there are a large collection of men together with nothing to do, no uh, stimulating activity, only to sit around and perhaps drink all day, that is not a good recipe either for them or for the community they're trying to integrate in. That does not automatically make people racist. Yes, the problem is it gets hijacked by extremism on either side. And you end up with this very black and white argument that you are either in one camp or the other. But the reality is there's nuance in between. Let's move on away from that. Would you be tempted to sign up to the Gorthy at 49 years of age? Because you will be allowed to do that and the rules are changing from next month. And in particular, Gartha reservists. These are the part-time unpaid people who volunteer to help out in their communities. They are being encouraged to apply full-time to join the force. And understandable, because the Gartha strength remains doggedly below the 14,000 strong that it's supposed to be. And the intake through Temple Moor is getting smaller and smaller and smaller, unfortunately. Children and adults are being encouraged to take vitamin D up to St. Patrick's Day. So vitamin D, the sunshine vitamin, the one that helps you feel good, but also is important to sustain your immune system, your bone density. And you can find it in oily fish, eggs, meats, fortified foods, but sunshine in particular is vital for the uptake of vitamin D. So a group of scientists have come together to figure out how much supplementation and for how long in Ireland. And so the report recommends up to St. Patrick's Day. That is how much and for how long you should be taking the vitamin D supplementation, which you can get in just about any pharmacist or health food shop. It's not terribly expensive either. Better than a trip to the emergency department. The Irish Independent looks at the times you are best to go to ED. If you have to go to ED, which nobody does, uh, nobody wants to. Um, 7am to 7pm, that's when you'll be processed fastest. And a Monday is the day to avoid. Because it seems a lot of people hold off over the weekend believing Saturday and Sunday will be the busiest days. And so Monday becomes quite congested in emergency departments. So it says in the Irish Independent. The Journal.ie returns to the Boeing saga after the 737 MAX 9 was grounded by a couple of airlines now at this stage. And this is because a panel which was covering an emergency exit, but an unused emergency exit, on that particular configuration of plane. It blew off during a flight last Friday and forced an emergency landing in the United States. Well, the boss of Boeing, David Calhoun, has said, we will deliver transparency. We are going to, number one, acknowledge our mistake. We are going to approach it with 100% transparency every step of the way. 
and he says the investigating board is as good as it gets. I trust every step they take to get to a conclusion. It's rather embarrassing for him. Now, to be fair, he wasn't the man who was in charge when Boeing developed the 737 MAX. He took over after the fleet was grounded just before COVID. And transparency is something they very much need because if you are to ever get on board one of those planes, you have to believe they've checked every single last bolt and screw. And the investigation continues. We'll try and get more information on it a little bit later. And a final one for you. If you ever think, ah, I'm too old to exercise. Well, meet Bernie O'Brien. She is 79 years of age and was diagnosed 10 years ago with Parkinson's disease. And she also suffers with a heart condition called mitral valve prolapse. And as well, she had a hip replacement last year. So she wasn't exactly a candidate for running or dancing or doing many of the things she once enjoyed, but had lost her confidence in doing. And so she went to a clinic in her area to encourage people. It's a non-profit social program called Xwell Medical. And it gave her the support and the confidence to get out and to run, which she now does, twice a week. And she lifts weights twice a week, not in a Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of way, but just simply to maintain her muscle mass. And she goes dancing once a week. And I think the moral of the story is not, oh, how great is Bernie? And obviously she is a formidable woman, but it's what you can do if you ask for help and if it's available to you. And there are many great organisations here in the Midlands, the Leash Offaly Westmeath Sports Partnerships, for instance, and there are others, uh, Diane Cooper, EduFit and such programmes are immensely valuable in helping people who are maybe less active than they would like to be to just take that first step. And once you have the first step underway, all those endorphins flood in and you just feel great. So Irish Independent, if you want to read more about Bernie. If you ever eat out in Athlone, a trip to the Corner House Bistro has been essential over the last couple of years. And Linda and Joe Connolly and their team not only put on delicious grub, but the service and the smile is excellent. And unfortunately, they are becoming the latest victims of this force against hospitality, uh, starting with COVID, moving on then to the cost of living and the inflationary circumstances and the increase in the VAT rate, they say, certainly didn't help. So they announced on Facebook with deep sadness they are going to close the Corner House Bistro with the last 12 months being the most difficult of their trading. And the increased VAT rates, along with all of the other costs, including labour, food and energy, have made our business no longer viable, they say. And it is with heavy hearts that we say goodbye to our 20 staff and our hundreds of valued and loyal customers. Anyone with vouchers is invited to come in and receive a refund before we close our doors for the last time on Saturday. And we thank you for all of the memories and laughs through the last 12 years of trading here on Dublin Gate Street. And hopefully we will see brighter days ahead. But today is a very sad day in our lives and in the lives of our staff. That's from Linda and Joe Connolly and our thoughts very much with them and their team. And unfortunately, they are not alone. So 
if there is a company that provides you with great hospitality, if they put on the coffee, if they bake the cakes, if they generally serve you with that extra smile, make sure you support them if you can. And these months of January, February, post-Christmas, they are lean for us all. But hopefully, they will survive and be here next year. The name you trust with the news you need. Midlands Today. Midlands 103. Geraldine says, emergency departments aren't full on Mondays due to people not going in at weekends. In my experience, it's because there are no consultants around at the weekends. Hospitals don't have full staff at weekends, so there's a pile-up of patients starting from Friday evening and continuing onwards. Ah, well, that would make sense, all right, yes. The Irish Independent, in case you're just joining us, has a piece about the best times to go to an emergency department, if you have to go to an emergency department, which obviously nobody wants to, if they can avoid it. And just a contrast, while talking about the Corner House Bistro in Athlone becoming the latest in this wave of closures in hospitality, at the other end of the scale, you've got the likes of John Collison, he's one of the founders of Stripe, Dara Hickey, who co-founded 150 Bond and... There are other investors, very wealthy investors, piling money into a new restaurant in Abbey Leaks in County Leash, which is going to be fronted by Kuon Green. Now, Kuon is 31 years of age, and he has worked in some of the world's best restaurants, including Noma in Copenhagen, widely regarded as perhaps the world's best restaurant. And so he is going to be setting up this restaurant at Millbrook House, in Abbey Leaks. This is a late Victorian house on just over four acres located adjacent to the Abbey Leaks estate. So very, very swanky surroundings. And the planning application, we understand, is going in this week. So there's confidence there in the very top end of the market, of course. Let's change gears completely. It has been suggested on social media that Mullingar Barracks, Colin Barracks, should be lit up for providing asylum seeker accommodation. And it has become the target of online threats after, as you know, a series of other threats were carried out in different parts of the country. This is being highlighted by Green Party councillor Hazel Smith. Hazel, good morning. And thank you for taking our call. Just do you know more about the context of how this threat was made and and where exactly it was published? Yes, yeah, sadly, it was brought to my attention uh, by people uh, on X Twitter. Um, so that's where it seems to be mainly um, circulating there. These types of posts, which are uh, very threatening, I would say, in nature, in terms of what they're saying. Um, to, you know, using language such as burn it down and, as you say, light it up and things like that, which is really concerning. I mean, this is one of our historical architectural gems within the Midlands, um, within Westmead, within Mullingar. It's really important as a historical and social um, place for um, the people of Mullingar and beyond. And so to think that this, you know, 200-year-old-plus um, site building 
would be subject to these types of threats is really, really concerning. And, and most importantly, when there are so many people uh, residing, living there, people ultimately, and um, other people as well who, who do still continue to make use of it for various different activities um, in, within the community. So it's, uh, it's something that I think before we might have disregarded as, you know, just kind of puff or, you know, nothing to be really taken too seriously. But given the recent events uh, in Ring's End in Dublin, uh, and um, you know the, the kind of the other uh, instances that we're seeing around the country. I think this does need to be taken seriously, and that you know we should all be, and particularly the Gardaí, um, should be on high alert here to uh, prevent, avoid, and stop anything like that from ever happening um, at this mm. um, at the Common Barracks. And is this on one of the mainstream social media sites? Yeah, I mean. Like, it's, it, X is, continues to be one of the, the okay, main... Okay, so it's on X. Yeah. And was it yeah. placed as a rallying call or was it a comment in response to something? So what I've seen is video uh, basically uh, condemning the fact that um, this uh, there, there has been modular homes being provided to refugees there at the Colin Barracks. And then what you're seeing then uh, below that are comments that are, as I say, very threatening in nature, very um, inciting of um, potential uh, criminal activity. So this is where, again, I do think the Gardaí and so on play a key on the Department of Defence, uh, because it's currently, as I understand it, under the ownership still of the Department of Defence to uh, really play a key role here in protecting and safeguarding um, the people as well as the, the actual place itself from any such... Um, criminal uh you know activity and so it's it is that thing of like when you see a graining traction um online and seeing the the number of comments proliferate that's when it becomes really concerning yeah i see um just searching for mullingar barracks on x this morning formerly Mm. twitter there are uh, different posts uh for instance one purports to be showing a video of a gentleman who arrived in Ireland and is bragging about all of the money that he has made. But mm. as I watch this video unfold, I don't see any mm. any picture that is within Ireland, but it's being, it's being depicted as mm. that. Uh, mm. I see others who are, uh, again, they're unnamed. So one is Mullingar for all. One is I'm no angel. Um, there are very few people who are using their own names on these posts. Yeah. So I suppose yeah. from a law enforcement point of view, mm. how do you mm. act on it? It does make it very difficult. And I suppose this is the quandary that we're currently still trying to tackle and deal with in terms of actually, um, uh, you know, tracing these people. I mean, there are ways and means of doing that through things like IP addresses and all of that. But even that's not... Um, uh, you know, bulletproof either. So it is a case of uh, it can be very difficult when, as you say, often these people are unnamed and um, and, and faceless. So to actually try to um, to track them down is is difficult and challenging um, a lot of the time. But I, I think the Gardaí do have ways and means of you know trying to um, t- to kind of get to the bottom of that where there are very um, 
uh, you know, what I, what I would describe as, you know, in, in, you know, inciting hate and that kind of thing, um, are, um, you know, where they are encouraging people to engage in criminal activity. Um, I'd like to think that the Gardaí will do everything in their power there to try and, um, you know, um, find these people and uh, make sure that, again, that type of activity is um, stopped, basically, in its tracks. Uh, because it's it has to be. I mean, this is where we're seeing it. I mean, even when you look at the riots there that took place in um, in Dublin as well, uh, this is what we're seeing online, and we don't know what's happening you know, then in other groups, you know, the likes of WhatsApp groups and things like that, then uh, that are happening um, offline, so to speak. So I think this is where um, if you're seeing these types of comments being made publicly, uh, you know, who knows what's being said uh, behind closed doors again. Well, it's hard to ever measure the true public sentiment in a situation like this. I recall when Mm. the plans first came to light, there was some dissatisfaction first of all with how the announcement was made um, and then there mm-hmm. were concerns for instance community groups who had use of the facility would they continue to have use of the facility those living nearby as well were wondering well what sort of Garda presence would there be um, and was there the potential for trouble because of opposition as well how do you read the mood in the town many months later you know, I really think the people of Mullingar have been great. I mean, as you say, there's the Mullingar for All group that has been set up to, again, show solidarity with the people, um, the refugees who are residing at the Colin Barracks. And I know there's been very kind donations there to uh, the Ukrainian community there who have been residing there as well. Uh, so I I still consider the people of Mullingar to be very welcoming, hospitable people. And as I say, even with the... The protests that were, did take place um, last year, say for example, a lot of those people were not from Mullingar, and so I think you know more generally, um, you know, you're right. There were concerns there about whether community groups would still be uh, able to continue to use, um, you know, the facilities there for their purposes, and that has been the case. So I think you know, given that, and the fact that um, you know, largely a lot of this site was unused. Uh, which has long been a, a source of shame there that, you know, such a, a, an amazing architectural gem has been unused. But um, it is a case of, I think, you know, it's it's good to see it being put to to use there. But um, there, yeah, there, I mean, it is still intended to be like a temporary measure, given, you know, the kind of the challenges that the government is currently facing on this issue. Um but I think, you know, as I say, in general, I think people um, understand, you know, the position the government is in and the need for the humanitarian response here um, and to, and for people to be treated with respect and dignity. So I really don't think the, say, for example, these comments that are circulating online reflect in any way the kind of the majority of people out there. Uh, I think, if anything, it really is a very small minority who are um, who are kind of responding in this very um, uh, you know inflammatory way? I think is one way. Inflammatory, mm. yeah, exactly. Um, way, yeah. All right. Look, look, there are listeners who absolutely take exception to anybody 
threatening to torch a building, particularly one with the mm. historical significance of column barracks. But there is a feeling as well that if communities are disenfranchised, if they're not consulted, if decisions are effectively foisted upon them, that it gives succour to those who want to cause trouble. And if you were doing it all over again, and I appreciate you're, you're sitting on the council, you're not in the Department of Integration, but what would be the lessons learned from how this was done? I, I think that communication is really key. And you're right, the, the engagement and consultation with the local community is so important um, in all of these things. And I think um, some of the lessons learned there were, you know, to listen to you know, people's legitimate and valid concerns. And in, in many cases, you know, I think, as I say, the vast majority of people, if they are expressing concerns, if coming from a good place and just generally they want to, protect and safeguard their their own communities, their families and so on. Um, so I think, you know, seeing the response there in terms of the um, security that was put there at the site to make sure that, again, proper security was put in place and making sure, uh, you know, that it was good, again, to see that people were concerned about the well-being of the, um, the residents as well there at um, the Colin Barracks too and making sure that, again, that was um, being properly provided for as well. Um, and so I think once you can, uh, and just any efforts there to kind of integrate these people within the local community is really key. So uh, absolutely, there's always room to improve, there's always room to do things better. And I do think um, hopefully, you know, uh, the, you know, we've been dealing with what has been like an emergency crisis for some time now. But, you know, as as time goes on, I'm sure hopefully the department is learning how to do things better and communicate better with people as to, you know, how and why they're going about things the way they are. Hazel Smith, have to leave it there. Thank you for taking our call today. She is a member of the Green Party and she sits on Westmeath County Council. Next, why is it that alcohol-free beers and wines are just as expensive as the real thing? Midlands Today, with the stories beyond the headlines. Midlands 103 Yesterday we discussed... A Finnegal idea, and it's just an idea at this stage, to reduce the VAT on non-alcoholic beers and wines to encourage more consumption of them as opposed to their alcoholic alternatives. And one listener queried, well, why is it they would be the same price to begin with? Surely, if there's no alcohol in these wines, they are cheaper to produce. But is that necessarily the case? I don't have the answer, but I know a man who does. That's Gavin Kyo from Wines Direct in Mullingar. Good morning. Good morning, Will. Happy New Year. And many happy returns. So, is it necessarily cheaper to produce an alcohol-free product? Well, there are two points that we really need to take into account. One is the production and the second is the taxation. So non-alcoholic products don't incur what is referred to as excise duty, which is your €3.19 on a bottle of wine or €6.37 on a sparkling bottle of wine. Um, So that taxation doesn't exist there on non-alcoholic products. Housing, however, when it comes to wine, and we don't stock any non-alcoholic wine because of realistically the level of I don't know, jiggery-pokery that goes into it. Um, it has to be altered chemically and at a molecular level in order to make it non-alcoholic. So quite a large process has to go into it and quite a costly, timely process has to go into 
changing a mm. wine to being a non-alcoholic wine. Now, is a three euro nineteen worth on a bottle? Oh, I doubt it. You know, um, chances are that it's probably maybe a euro or something like that. So, and then when it comes to the beers, well, what they're really doing is adding chemicals. So when you're looking at the non-alcoholic products, this is kind of what I always kind of think about. Somebody says to me, "Oh, do you have a great non-alcoholic wine?" I say, "There doesn't exist. It doesn't exist yet. They're all terrible." Right. Why, um, Why? is, is it because of, of that process of removing the alcohol? Yeah. Does that spoil you're it removing, in some way? You're basically boiling it, you know, for all intents and purposes, you're boiling it and making it worse. Um, now, look, as technology improves, will that get better over time? Time will tell and I can be proven wrong and I'm really willing to be proven wrong. I'm looking forward to the day that I'm proven wrong that there is a good non-alcoholic wine. But when you look at, for example, non-alcoholic beers, they're adding chemicals they're adding a whole load of chemicals that you don't really want in your system, never mind the beer. So you're already getting the worst parts of the beer. So all of the fat and the carbohydrates and all of the things that gives us the middle-aged gut. And then it's giving us all of the chemicals on top of that. So if I was going to realistically look at that and say, I'd probably go for, you know, maybe sparkling water instead because, you know, if I'm going to drink a pint, I want to drink a pint. I don't want to drink that stuff. Mm. But that's just me. Now, in relation to... But actually, there is um, another point as well. The non-alcoholic beers, I've noticed, can still produce a hangover. And I was wondering, was that because of the volume that you're drinking and you become dehydrated or is it something else? well, there's two parts. One, volume dehydration, yes, it's going to happen, but also it's the level of chemicals. So if I, for, for example, take what we import as a product as wine, which is from small, independent, family-run producers who make wine with passion, that's great. And the same, there are some great beer producers as well around the world. Um, on, on, uh, in, in, for example, in the likes of Ballymahan in, uh, in County Longford, there's a fantastic uh, uh, beer producer there as well. But... Everybody else is adding chemicals. And like there are up to 70 chemicals that can be added to a wine to make it taste of something. So if you're a large homogenous organization like Tesco, you can say, I want this Sauvignon Blanc to taste the exact same as it did last year. Therefore, I'm going to add all of these chemicals. It's an equation and now it tastes like this. And that is actually one of the biggest contrib- uh, contributors to your hangovers apart, as well as volume. But when it comes to non-alcoholic beers, yes, the hangover can come because of the chemical content and the chemicals that are added to it there. So people are going to feel, oh, I'm doing myself so much better by having the non-alcoholic mm. beer. Kind of no, going, there's always oh, a catch. There's the, always the, a catch. It's a bit like when you buy a low-fat food, usually yeah. it's high in sugar to compensate for that. Absolutely, absolutely. And look, you know, I've, take for example, my wife is a celiac, and we do a lot of home cooking, um, and we always have. But what she would always say is that substitute in a lot of cases when something is oh this is gluten free and you look at the content you go well the sugars are off the chart here so you know while it might be gluten free it also might you know it might actually induce diabetes you know so this is the terrible things that people kind of feel that they're doing the great extra thing going oh I'm going to buy this this is going to be great for me and actually it's not reading labels is hugely important Mm. in a product my mother-in-law had a great expression Lord Rester it's either immoral illegal or it makes you fat Yeah, that's true. And they're all the fun things. On that note, Gavin, thank you for your time. (laughs) Have a great day. Bye bye. Love the Midlands. Love Midlands. Good morning. Now, still on the agenda today, Brian Clonan shall be here in around 10 minutes' time, 15 minutes' time, to discuss DIY. Shane Lowry donates €10,000 to Joey's campaign. Joey 
a little two-year-old boy who needs to get to America for life-saving surgery and the goal, 300 plus thousand euro. And the Midlands 103 crew started the half-marathon team from Mullingar. Four weeks on, how brilliant are we? That's all on the way a little bit later. And some good news, man, and the taxman seldom gives us good news. But Charlie Weston is here from the Irish Independent. Morning, Charlie. It, it's seldom we get to talk about increases in, uh, in uh, I suppose, what you get back at the end of the year. Usually you put in the Med 1 form or make whatever adjustments to your claim and it's fairly flat year on year. This, however, is a good news story. Yeah, I, I, I've had three different tax stories this year already. One of them was about the, the, the reduction in the income tax, a uh, slight reduction in the USC and some increases in your personal tax credits. That's one story. Another one is that um, today your property tax is due if you pay it by cash or debit card or credit card or check. And then this other bizarre story that I fell across where um, the tax allowances or tax reliefs that you can get for doing your job, I mean, there's a whole list of 150 of them for each category, of, well, for most categories of job. These things are very dated at this stage. But you can claim an amount for your job and then you get that amount uh, at, the, at the tax rate that you're on. So if you're on the 20%, suppose it's 100 euros, you're on the 20% rate, you get 20% of it. If you're on the 40% rate, you get 40, 40 euros. For, um, but, um, you know, there's 150 categories of these things. They cover the cost of uniforms or tools or mm. yeah, essential things. They're, you they're under the heading of job. flat rate expenses. Yeah, that, that's the official name, flat rate expenses. And there's a spreadsheet on, re, on the revenue website, website showing the different rates uh, for different jobs. And... Um, you apply to, to revenue for these. Now, the, the good news is revenue have started increasing some of these flat rate expenses. They've been looking at them for years now at this stage, since 2018. Uh, they, were to, they, were, they were to change them, update them. COVID got in the way. There was a controversy at one stage when there was a threat to remove some of them. And But now they've slowly started to change them. They haven't announced it. They haven't uh, told the tax professionals about it. Uh, but um, uh, Marion Ryan of taxback.com fell across it and told me about it. But um, it, it, it just, it, there's some big increases as well. Like the, the, the one that I highlighted is this bizarre one where women were able to claim more if they were cardiac, cardiac technicians. Cardiac technicians were able to claim 212 euros, whereas their male counterpart could only claim 107. What now was the logic there? Was it a different uniform? I have no idea. There's no logic to some of these, and they're ancient. To go back to the 50s and 60s, they're to do with unions negotiating back in the day for, 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 for these flat rate expenses. For example, if you look at the spreadsheet, there's a whole list of various kind of uh, seafarer um, uh, flat rate expenses, you know, for captains, for ratings, for radio officers, all sorts of stuff that goes back to the 50s when my father was at sea, you know, uh, he was in the Merchant Navy, a radio officer. But, um, you know, there are no radio officers anymore, probably. I don't know. I mean, they're probably called something else. Uh, but so these things are just ancient. They're way out of whack. They're, 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 they're crazy stuff. So the fact that men were getting less than women, you know, or, or, or it was the other way around, it's just crazy that uh, any differentiation has ever been made on the basis of gender. So there was, a, a, you know, an urgent need to review this and change it 
And they finally have changed it. They've gone from the main from 107 to 310 for both of those uh, cardiac technician jobs. Now, and there's well, again, worth are, remembering, as you've said, that's the amount you get the relief on. So even at 40 two percent or whatever you're getting back 150 odd quid you're not getting back the full 310 no that's that's the way it works it's it's based on your marginal rate which is also unfair like you you take a chef and supposing they're due x amount you know one of them has paid maybe thirty five thousand euros so they can only claim the the flat rate expense allowance there 20 percent and you say another chef who's higher up the scale but still a chef getting forty five thousand euros single person they can claim at 40%. How is that fair? They both have the same expense of, of providing uniforms, clean uniforms every day. So, you know, it, it, it really isn't fair. There's so many things that are wrong with this flattery expense thing. And there doesn't seem to be any move to change the fact that it, it, what you get is then multiplied by your marginal rate of tax. Now, it's a bit complicated, but basically, if you're on the higher rate of tax, you're getting more than if you're on the lower rate of tax. That seems unfair, but there doesn't seem to be any move to change that. So, I mean, at least they have increased some of these. I, I, I can't get them to rule out that they will get rid of some of the flat rate expenses, but they do need to bring in new ones as well. There's so many different jobs out there now that were never captured by these flat rate yeah, expenses. Yeah, look how many they jobs have been invented in the last 10 years alone that weren't even considered. But, Charlie, yeah, well, conscious a lot of people glaze now, over yeah. and become fearful when dealing with the tax man. So it's worth pointing out, how do you make the claim? Well, they want you to go and uh, put in a, 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 an annual return. I mean, I would just go onto their website, see if there's a flat rate expense for your job. Now, public sector workers, teachers, nurses are brilliant at, cl- at, at claiming these, but others should do it as well. Um, you know, even though they're probably not as well, uh, their, their rates are not as good. For example, bricklayers don't get, get, get as much as they should. But just go and look at the, the website for the revenue commissioners. And, and get on to it. Just ring them. You'll get them before one o'clock in the morning and ask them, or sorry, one o'clock in the, in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they just, their phone lines are closed at one o'clock at lunchtime. Uh, ring them and ask them, uh, you know, what to do. They, they generally want you to put in a, a return, uh, you know, uh, but I think you can just make the claim uh, online or you can even do it through your phone. Yeah, it is straightforward online. The My Account service, lots of drop-down menus and it's fairly self-explanatory exactly. and it's worth doing. Yeah, you have your PRSI number and your PIN number and your My Account, you'll be able to do it on that. You're absolutely right, Will. And keep all those medical receipts and check the credits that everything has been applied. Sometimes the employer can make a mistake or two along the way, so they will issue the, what is it called, a P21 balancing statement at the end? Yeah, they just call it a balance statement. I, I don't know what the number is. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, so it's, you're right. I mean, this is a good time of the year as well. If, if you've incurred medical expenses for last year or, or you can go back four years, claim those. You can get 20% of those, you know, GP expenses, prescriptions. If you had to go and see a consultant and it wasn't covered by your, if you have health insurance, you can claim back uh, money on, 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 on those expenses as well. So look at, the, you know, people shy away from these things. A lot of people just don't claim for these things, but you should. It's money there. It's your money. It's mm. on the table. Grab it, man. Grab it. Grab Absolutely. It, grab it. <laughs> and keep the receipts afterwards because they can look back and they do. Charlie, thank you very much. You're welcome, Will. Thanks. Charlie Weston is personal finance editor with the Irish Independent. So a little bit of good news there for certain categories of jobs, 150 of them. Hopefully yours is captured and the expenses are increasing the amount you can claim for many of those. Back to your comments. Will, no Carol Nolan on this morning to discuss her views, her extreme views 
on uh, the asylum process, says Graham. Hazel Smith would have put her in her place. I think Carl Nolan would argue that she's simply standing up for what her constituents believe. She would, uh, of course, say that. Well, if it is a minority, well, why is your Green Party representative so worried? This is not a small minority of people who have concerns. The left always likes to underrepresent the opposition to their agenda. People wouldn't resort to such drastic measures if there wasn't genuine fear for their well-being and if the government wasn't so cloak-and-dagger about bringing in fighting-aged males into the country in the first place. Action, reaction, says Mark in County Leash. Well, sometimes, and, and you're right, there are perhaps even a large minority of people who have concerns, and who knows, maybe a majority of people who have some form of uh, objection or at least concern about where asylum centres are located. Take, for instance, Castletown Gagan, even for the reason of travelling safely on the road to have people not in the village itself, but walking nearly half a kilometre where there's no footpath. I mean, that's a valid concern. But then you can have those who ambush it and hijack it for their own agenda as well. And they are not necessarily, uh, shall we say, sainted. Well, the government created this problem by shoving unvetted men into communities, didn't send them to the posh parts of Dublin, oh no, but it's good enough for towns and villages outside of Dublin, says a caller. Well, to be fair, and, and he's often criticised, and perhaps rightly so for his policies, but Leo Varadkar did put his money where his mouth is. He took in a Ukrainian refugee into his own house in 2022. Regarding the sugar-free, fat-free, alcohol-free products widely on sale, Ned says, why is it sugar-free or fat-free or low-fat offerings are always more expensive? It's because they have to substitute one product with another and often at greater expense. Will gluten-free bread in super value is almost five euro. Normal bread is two euro. That is so unfair. And again, you'd possibly have a little bit of profiteering there. They will say, of course, the market for gluten-free products is not nearly as big as mainstream products. Therefore, they can't get economies of scale and they have to charge more. That's possible. Do they have to charge that much more? Will, I'd love to know how the likes of Ballyfin House are trading considering the prices they charge. And yet we're hearing about the Corner House Bistro and other smaller locations having to close their doors. Well, perhaps the difference in the case of Ballyfin, or indeed that restaurant that is going to be developed, subject to planning permission at Millbrook House in Abbey Leaks, they will serve a very wealthy top tier of the market. And even in recessions, those people generally hold on to their money. Take the premium car brands, BMW, for instance. After the last crash, BMW sales didn't really go down as much as the more mainstream brands. The wealthy tend to hold on to their wealth. It's coming up on 20 past 10. Brian Cloonan, speaking of the wealthy, 
is on the way. And now, with thanks to Bright Ideas Lighting, Talbot Avenue at Lone. Building or renovating? They work with you to create a bespoke lighting plan for your home. Brightideas.ie. New year, new you. But what about these two? Faulkner's doing a half marathon. What will Clunan do? Will he be there all the way doing 42k? Or here, bringing the finest DIY tips to you? Mr. Fix-It. I don't think old Nobbly Knees is going anywhere near a marathon. I would think, honestly, I would think very bad of driving the 42k. <laughs> My <laughs> knees are so bad that even driving 42k is, is difficult for them. You'd get stiff. I'd get, yeah, I'd get sore. So I, I will normally take the longest, cleanest route. Doesn't have anything to do with, you know, what's the shortest. Mm-hmm. It's got to do what has the least amount of, of acceleration and braking because I have two Banjack's knees. By the way, I, I was in the shop this morning and was a customer in and I was talking to her and then suddenly realised I knew her, but I hadn't recognised her. And I said, oh God, I'm sorry, I didn't recognise you with the baseball cap on. And she says, yeah, bad hair day today. So the, base, the baseball cap hides a multitude. She said, it's a bad hair day today. And I said, well, lucky you. Exactly. Long, Not something think, you're familiar I with. I think it was, I was in my 20s. The last time I had a bad hair day, I was in my 20s. Did you have, I'd oh, say you probably mop. had a big curly mop. Oh, I had yeah. a big mop. So school reunion two years ago after the 40th school reunion. And uh, I genuinely hadn't seen most of them in 40 years. I'd say I'd seen four of them mm. in 40 years. Mm. And you could see, so we're all wearing name badges. And some people you'd recognise instantly. They've, some people have hardly changed at all. Some people have changed dramatically in body shape and hair. In my case, my body shape hadn't changed dramatically, thankfully, for, luckily. But you could see them reading the badge and then literally the eyes went from the badge to the hairline because I had a big mop of brown, unruly, curly hair for the entire five years in secondary school. And uh, that has long departed. Must be a genetic thing, though. I think some yeah. of your kids had it as well, didn't yeah. they? Yeah? yeah, and you were starting to turn into Paddy. Yes, your father. Well, I could turn into worse. In fairness. in fairness, you could. Anyway, down to business. And okay. actually, before we get into the questions, there was a case in Longford that we should mention, and it is a suspected case of carbon monoxide poisoning. Yes, Although indeed. Yeah, the investigation continues, and they're yeah. not one hundred percent sure, but it's timely, nevertheless, to talk about carbon monoxide. And particularly at the moment, in these few days. And the reason for that being, it's colder. Mm. So a few things happen. We, we have our appliances burning for longer. So the stove that you might light in the mor- morning for a couple of hours, or maybe you only light in the late evening for a few hours, we now are lighting for longer. So uh, any, it's, it's always worth... Re- and the other thing is, sometimes if we have people... They're always told not to. But sometimes there's a cold emanating from a vent and they block off the vent. Do not block off your vents. If you have vents that are there for a reason, do not block them off. If you want to put something in front of them in terms of you could put a piece of furniture six inches away that just doesn't allow the draft to hit you directly. That's, that's okay, but you have to leave the vent open and you have to leave it that air can pass through the vent. It's very, very important. And the other thing that sometimes happens is that 
And I suspect this happens sometimes now. Well, I suppose they, they, they will be checking it as they're doing the job. But sometimes people get new windows or better insulation, but particularly new windows. So, you know, they had old drafty wooden mm-hmm. windows, mm-hmm. the word being drafty. Which created then, ventilation. Which created its own ventilation. So I would always think like windows should have, them. a lot of windows come with a vent. I don't know why they all don't come with a vent. But um, if you get new windows and it changes, so you're now your ventilation changes because you have these new super duper well sealed windows, but now you no longer have the same amount of ventilation. So any appliance that burns fuel in your house. So that can be gas, solid fuel, wood pellets, oil, anything that burns a fuel, you need to have a carbon monoxide in that space if you're living in the space. So, I mean, obviously, if you have a boiler house, it's not as important at all. But if your appliance is in the house, you should always keep a carbon monoxide. Now, and they're very, they're not like a smoke alarm. You don't have to screw it to the ceiling. You can, and let's, you can move them and you can put them anywhere in the room. Um, it's, it's, it doesn't have to be up high. It doesn't have to be down low. It can be sitting on a, a shelf nearby. Um, and equally well, you can move it from room to room. So if you find that, you know, you're using the stove a lot in this very cold weather, and then the rest of the time you just want to keep it where the boil burner is in your utility room or whatever, you can bring it out from the utility room for the moment and put it where the stove is and so on. But it is, a, it is really recommended that you have in carbon monoxide any room that has a, an appliance that burns fuel. And get it today. Don't put it on the long yeah, finger I must, because we're always doing that. I must, yeah. I, 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 so many times I, in my day I say I must, mm-hmm. I must, I must, I must, yeah. Jimmy in Port Arlington says, tell that man with his bad knees to go on cod liver oil capsules. I had bad knees in my 20s, started taking cod liver oil in 1990. I'm now 60 and I have no problems with my knees anymore. I take everything, including cod liver oil. Now, of course, these are not my knees. (laughs) Go on. Uh, Well, I have borrowed the knees from um, the orthopaedic service, so I have two plastic knees, Ah. plastic and titanium, and our plastic and something, stainless steel or something. Can you go through the metal detector? Uh, I, I obviously... Well, sorry, I must have had or have an honest face or a non-threatening face because I always you are went harmless through, I am too. harmless looking, yes. So I always went through the airports. You know, I was never stopped. I was never checked. You know, they, they look at you and say, ah, he's a harmless old Irish git, let him off. And now, of course, beep, 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 beep. So they bring you off to one side and they check. And the fact that you have two knees, you're still double to your doubly is suspicious because of my, well, certainly I haven't traveled in a while, but when I was younger, it was unusual for my age to have a knee replacement. So It was all from an injury, wasn't it? Rugby injury or something. I think rugby, when I was about 17, 16, 17, and back then, so I tore the cartilage badly. And the cartilage is like a piece of rubber between the top bone and the bottom bone. And yeah, they took on. it away completely. They took it away completely. So the two bones are rubbing off each other. Isabel has been in touch saying, Happy New Year to you all. I have a wool hearth rug and it's a light colour and it is shedding fluff all over my darkish carpet. And I'm wondering, is there a solution to the problem of the shedding? And I'm also wondering, if I got it dry cleaned, would it help? I mean, 
professionally cleaned? Yeah, I think if you get dry cleaned, it will take away a lot of the loose stuff. But equally well, maybe it'll loosen up more. I don't know. Um, hopefully, Granny or somebody like that will be listening with some age old. So it's a pure wool. Mm. Yeah. Um, so as a rule, if you have, if you think about it, if you have, you know, wool socks and you put them on, I mean, if you buy new socks, you should always wash them before you wear them. You know, if you buy black wool socks and you put them on, your feet are covered in. So the minute you put them through the wash, that's fine. They don't shed all that black stuff anymore. So presumably the same thing applies if it goes through some process of liquid that washes away all the the fluff. He is surmising now. I, I would take advice. Bluffing <laughs> and guessing. And I did start by saying, I think maybe possibly. Yes, send him the receipt at Clunas Hardware and tell him more. More after these. Half past ten. It's time for the latest Community Diary with Tommy Solicitors at Loan, one of the largest, longest established and most respected firms of solicitors in the Midlands. Developmental Foundations for Learning in Walshestown, in Mullingar, are holding a sensory smart parenting workshop for parents of children with sensory processing differences. It's happening on Saturday, February 3rd, 10.30 until 4. And if you're the parent of a child with additional sensory needs or if you're observing sensory behaviours you don't understand, this is the course for you. See Developmental Foundations Learning on Facebook. Lakeland Vintage Club in Abbey Shrule invites you to its annual Auto Jumble and Collector's Fair this Sunday in Ballymahan Mart. All stalls are welcome, a stall costs €20 and admission to the the Auto Jumble is a fiver. For details, talk to Mary on 086-380-8503. Esker Arts Centre in Tullamore relaunches its Film Club on Tuesday, January 23rd, 8pm with the acclaimed film Gaza. See Esker Arts on Facebook for details and all proceeds go towards the Palestinian Red Cross. If you want to check any of those details again, go to midlands103.com, click on the community diary, and if there's something in your area that I missed, call 0818 300 103. The Community Diary, with thanks to Tormy Solicitors, experienced in the areas of law that affect people on a day-to-day basis. Tormies.ie DIY Dilemmas, sorted with Mr Fixit. Thanks to Bright Ideas Lighting, Talbot Avenue Athlone. Building or renovating, we work with you to create a bespoke lighting plan for your home. Brightideas.ie Have you heard of the Join for Joey campaign? Yeah, it's a fantastic and it, by, by all accounts is be very successful. Staggeringly so. Yeah, it's incredible. It is Even now... Irish people are so good. Of a €330,000 target. And we talked to Natalie and Tommy only a week ago. Yeah, that's right. They're now at 300000 Just oh a God. whisker beneath it. 298998. So keep the push going. That is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Natalie will be here in around an hour's time as well. And one of the donations I just see here, Shane Lowry. €10,000. Oh, wow. And there have been 6,500 donations in total so far. So, well done, one and all. Now... Back to the business of DIY. Brian is here from Clunan's Hardware in Tullamore until 11. 
And our next question. I recently received an old cast iron fireplace from my uncle and it's covered in rust. And I'm wondering if it is restorable. I would love to have it in my own house, but I don't want to flog a dead horse either. So what are you looking at? <laughs> Actually, look, it's brilliant. It's because it's cast iron. Um it's, I wouldn't say it's indestructible, but the rust actually isn't a big deal at all. So we'll go the easy way first. The easiest way to, to deal with it would be to bring it to somebody who sandblasts. So either somebody who does sandblasting for a living or any of the people who do headstones. You could bring it to them and they would sandblast it for you. And the big trick now is that when you're bringing the fireplace to somebody that's going to sandblast it, you also give them a tin of primer, spray-on primer. Because the minute it's sandblasted, you want to get it primed straight away. So they'll spray, they'll, they'll sandblast it, and they'll just spray on the primer. Alternatively, uh, because you have it, it's not in the house, it would be very easy to get a tin of, a bottle of rust remover preventer um, and brush it on, leave it for a couple of hours, uh, and wash it off. And now all that rust will be gone and neutralised. And then as soon as it's properly dry, so you're going to wash it with hot water and then you're going to wash it with a bit of methylated spirits just to make sure it's really clean. And then you're going to prime it. That's it. You're ready to paint then. Most people paint them black. Um, if you're going to sandblast it, you could actually oil it. But I would always say just paint it. Um, Any particular kind of paint? Well, it doesn't get that hot normally. I mean, you could use a heat-resistant black paint if you want. But as a rule, the fireplace doesn't get that hot. So unless it's, if the opening is very close to the, where the fire is, well, then you'll use a heat-resistant uh, spray-on. Just spray is so much handier. Spray-on uh, black paint. Um, if you decide afterwards to paint, so if you need it to be heat-resistant, the bit around the fire opening you would leave black. If for some reason you want to paint it a different colour, you would paint the rest of it a different colour, but leave that arch in the heat-resistant black paint or heat-resistant white paint, but white gets dirty quickly around an opening. So most people will leave it black and then paint around that with different colours if they want. Next listener would like a theory. What could be causing my porch doors, the glass in the porch doors, to fog on the outside? And if this can be stopped, that's from John in County Leash. So when he says fog, does, that, does he mean between the glass that there's a fog, in which case the seal. So if you have a double glazed unit, mm. the, the double glazed unit has a vacuum inside, a gas inside, and therefore no moisture gets in. But if that seal is broken for whatever reason, the moisture gets between the two panes, there's really nothing you can do about that, just replace the glass. Yeah, glass I presume panel. that's what it must be, because otherwise he's just describing condensation, I would think. Yeah, so condensation would be normally inside, not outside. Well, true, actually, yeah. So, so he's saying uh, if, on the if, it, outside, if it's on the outside, it's rain. <laughs> yeah, it's well. Is it rain or is it when he says fog? Like, does he mean there's a there's a haze on it, which could be coming from? So, for argument's sake, if you had um, unsealed uh, lead on a roof flashing, hmm. you could wash down and deposit uh, this stain on your glass. If you had um, efflorescence coming from concrete or brick washing down onto the glass it can stain it it's like a lime deposit alright ok John More just detail. clarify that yeah. and we'll happily come back to it in a minute or two can marble be painted my paint shop says no way 
Yeah, absolutely marble can be painted. Um, sorry. A little bit of context. Um, I have a very old cottage with an open fire and the hearth is cream-coloured marble, which I cannot, for the love of money, uh, keep clean. Oh, yeah. No problem. You can paint that with... There's two things you can do. You can either use a, a special adhesion primer, um, so something like uh, cover stain. Uh, so what you'll be doing is you'll be rubbing it down very lightly with very fine emery paper, black emery paper, and then you're washing it with white spirits to make sure that it's really clean and all the dust from the sanding is gone. Now, it's a very light sanding. You're, to sand that hard will take six minutes. That's it. And then wash it with the metalate spirits and then either a primer and an undercoat or we've mentioned before products like Superdeck, which are self-priming and self-undercoating. And uh, you, you can paint any colour you want. Um, probably in this case, you're going to go black once again around the fireplace. But you can go absolutely any colour you want and there is no problem in painting it. Now, people will say it's a sin to paint marble. And of course, it is in one sense. Mm. But if it's a very unsightly, you know, if it's a case of take it out or paint it, You've just answered the question. You're going to paint it. Um, you could sit another piece of marble down on top of it, but again, paint it and see if you don't like it. Then sit your another piece of black marble. You could get a thin slab of black marble and sit it down on top of it. But paint it. See how that goes for you. It, but there is no problem in painting marble once you use the, the primer or the self-priming paint. Brian Clunan is here from Clunan's Hardware in Tullamore. Until 11, in the next hour, Natalie Conway gives us an update on Joey. He's had a bit of a rough week. He's had a rough two years and that's why he needs to go to the uh, surgeon in Chicago at a price tag of €300,000. But they have almost reached their target. Plus, Peter Dunn on his marathon training as he sets sight on Mullingar and a challenge of raising money for Barrettstown Children's Charity. Lots to cover in the next hour. Here on Midlands 103. Mr. Fix-It on Midlands 103 with Bright Ideas Lighting, Talbot Avenue Athlone. Official stockists of Laura Ashley Lighting and Mirrors. See our dedicated Laura Ashley boutique in store. Brightideas.ie Now, John has been in touch again about the condensation or foggy issue that was plaguing his door and he clarifies it is on the outside of the glass, not on the inside. Rubbing a cloth gets rid of it, but it forms again, this fogging. But Ned has text to say his PVC windows also produce condensation on the outside, not in frosty weather, he adds. So condensation is formed when warm, moist air hits a cold surface. So as a rule... um, you know, in very cold weather, when it's very warm inside, you will get condensation on the glass. So you're cooking away, you're steaming, you're, you're producing steam in your kitchen and it's cold outside and the steam will hit the glass and uh, you'll get condensation on the glass. Now, it doesn't have to be steam. It can be just warm, moist air in the bedroom, in the bathroom. We've all seen it. You have a shower and... You get out of the shower and the mirror is all covered in glass because the mirror was cold and the steam coming from the shower is warm Mm. and so on. Now, if you have condensation on on the outside windows, it would indicate that the temperature outside is warmer than the temperature inside. 
I'm assuming, John, you were so he did texting from not, the Midlands and I, yeah. not from Lanzarote. Well, well, he did say not from frosty weather. Uh, that was Ned, yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. So, um, just, I presume it's not a case that, you know, you could have a house that is not lived in or you could have a, a room that's not heated and uh, if for some reason you get, you know, a bit of heat outside and then it's very it's it's cold in that room. Yeah. John, I think what I he's think saying is John's that he's, case. he's bamboozled and uh, so maybe send a picture of picture. Us there you go. A picture paints a yeah. thousand words. Yeah. By the way, I've had a text saying when I was young we had a neighbour, and this neighbour would never call people by their name like Will, Brian, Mary, Anne, etc. Instead, it would be fatty, skinny, baldy, bollocky, big nose. Text signed Long Legs, also known as Mary. <laughs> Thanks, long legs. Would it not be like the windscreen of a car mist on the outside, asks a caller. Well, you tend to get the misting on the inside. You can get a film thrown up from road use on the outside. Yeah, so, I mean, one of the things you can do, as you know, is, I mean, you can put a little bit of, uh, you can get a small bit of warm water and wash it up liquid and just smear it all over the glass and it does tend then not to get it tends to run off it mm. but it also does slightly affect the visibility of the uh, streaks of it on yeah. it yeah look if you take a picture send it to us on WhatsApp 083 30 10 103 might be the easiest way to describe what you're doing Liam calls from Leeds in the UK and okay. he says, window seals on double glazing are not doing their job and causing a lot of condensation on the inside of the bedroom window. I've recently noticed a lot of mould around the window frame and the curtains. Is this caused solely by the condensation or could there be something else going on? And also, are new windows the only solution for this? No, so the mould is caused exactly by condensation. So, you know, if you have, um, say, a PVC window that has aluminium in it and the the heat is transferring from the aluminium on the outside of the window frame to the inside of the window frame, so then the, the window frame itself is colder or sometimes the insulation in the wall cavity doesn't extend right up to the window. But if you, anywhere you've got condensation, indoors in Ireland it more or less inevitably needs to mould but what all you have to do really if the condensation is not run down the walls and pooling somewhere and causing a major problem if it's the condensation is you know a mild irritant but no more than that the mould is a big problem because the mould is something you do not want to be sharing a living space with mould it's not good for your lungs Um, so what you would do is just kill the mould so you get, don't just get a, a product that says mould remover. You need something that, that kills the mould. And most of them then, the thing that we always say it, you put it on twice. You put it on once, you leave it for 24 hours to kill the mould, and then you wash it all off. And always wear a mask when you're treating mould because you don't want to be breathing it in. And having killed the mould, you then reapply the mould killer, but you don't wash it off. And the, the, um, I always give the example of if you want to keep your gravel drive clear for one season, you put on a weed killer that keeps it clear for one season. So putting on the mould killer keeps it clear for one season. So in the case of your weed killer, it's the season is the summer and autumn. In the case of the 
uh, mould killer, the season is the winter. So at the start of every winter, you put on, it's clear, it'll take you five minutes, you can put it down with a sponge, a cloth, a spray or whatever, and you just spray it on, sponge it on, leave it to dry, and don't wash it off. And that stops the mould from coming back. Another listener swears blind their porch is similar where the condensation forms on the outside of the glass. Yeah, well, you see, a porch wouldn't be heated. Now, I doubt it's happening in this weather. But, you know, a porch can be very cold. Mm. There's no radiator in your porch. And it could be very cold in there. And then when the temperature changes outside and lifts, you could get that. I would assume, look, condensation, cold air, sorry, condensation is warmer. Air. It doesn't be warm. It's just proportionately warmer than and the surface than it's the surface. making contact with. Exactly. Yeah. My cousin got a black fireplace from an old house and did it up. It looks lovely. But after a while, she got tired of trying to keep it clean and she replaced it with a marble one. Well, yeah, well, marble's very popular. But what's the downside? Well, I, I think sometimes people, I, sometimes people will paint their fireplace with matte black paint. Because that's they don't want shiny. They, mm. you know, they'll go into their paint shop or their hardware shop and say, "I don't want gloss paint." Or, or more importantly, it's fine if they go in and talk it through with the shop. But if they simply walk in and say, "I want matte black paint," you will be given matte black paint because that's what you ask for. Now, if someone comes into us and looks for matte black paint, we'd always say, "Yep, yeah, no problem, I have it there." But I would strongly suggest you go for satin black paint. So satin black. What do you paint your blackboard with? You paint it with matte black paint mm. and why do you paint with matte black paint if you painted your blackboard with satin black paint if you put the two blackboards side by side or at least opposite sides of the room you'd look from one to the other and say they both look the same now if you put them side by side you'd say oh no there's a little bit of a slight slight sheen in that whereas that's completely flat but if you take your piece of chalk and run it down over the, black, the matte black blackboard the chalk stays on it if you run it down over the satin black, it leaves almost no mark. So dust and dirt sticks to the satin, the matte black in the same way as chalk does, mm. whereas the satin black, which looks almost the same, nothing sticks to it. So always paint things like that with a satin black and not a matte black. Good lesson. Will I have condensation between the double glazing? So it's between the two panes. Could this be the rubber seals, which seem to be going grey and porous? And is there a fix? Unfortunately, there's no fix that I know of. It's replaced the glass panel. Now, it's not a big deal. Isn't it? You're not replacing the window. Mm. You're, you're replacing the glass panel with a new glass panel. It's not huge money. And always worth asking, does the house insurance cover it? It's worth just making a phone call and find out. Caller says, I have triple glazed windows on the shaded side of my house and the outside pane gets fogged up in cold weather, which tells me no heat is getting out through the windows and the room inside is super cosy. So it's a good sign. Yeah, OK. Yeah. Yeah. Another listener says, I upgraded my windows a few years ago and the same thing happens but only to the windows in the shade. Hmm. So they're saying that the outside pane of glass, the triple, yes, is so cold that the does But that means but the, the air, outside air is, is warmer. warmer. Right? Correct. Yes, because it's in the shade. It's the cold. surface is cold. Yes, 
but the air, the air is, is a bit warmer, warmer yeah. relatively speaking. Yeah. But as that listener says, it's a real tribute to the uh, to the glass that the outer pane of glass is is so cold uh, compared to the inner pane of glass. A listener is wondering. Where would they get Christmas tree storage bags for artificial trees, obviously? Lots of anybody selling Christmas stuff will generally tend to have them. We did a video recently and, and we, we had lots of traction on it, so we saw loads of them. But you'll get them anywhere that sells Christmas trees as a rule. All right. That's pretty much all we have time for. You will be back again next Wednesday, 20 past 10. God willing. Mind yourself. That's Thanks Brian much, Clunan from Clunan's Hardware in Tullamore. Now, lots to cover off in the next hour, but a really, really heartwarming story of how the campaign for little Joey Conway has now reached, let me refresh this, 299,818 euro. They are almost at their goal. It is a whisker below the 300,000 euro mark. They want to get to 330 so that he can secure this life-saving surgery in the United States and they're almost there which is a stunning stunning achievement Love the Midlands Love Midlands 103 Hmm Would you agree with this statement Men's sport is better to watch than women's sport Well I'll tell you what a new survey by Lidl and the Ladies Gaelic Football Association says in around 15 minutes. Also today, getting out and running the roads, Peter Dunn from the Midlands 103 Breakfast Show is four weeks into his marathon training with thanks to a whole range of great partners, but more on that a little bit later. And we have crossed the €300,000 threshold in this massive fundraiser for little Joey Conway, the son of... Natalie and Tommy Conway from Tullamore, who suffers with this rare form of portal hypertension. So they are just on the cusp of reaching their target of €330,000 and securing that life-saving surgery in America. So huge good news on that front today. When you text 083 30 10 103 is the number, powered by Lamb Brothers Toyota in Tullamore. If you want to pick up that phone... 0818-300-103 is the number to call. So you may be frustrated, as many people are, with the pace of house building in this country. But as any parent of Colby Special School in Portlaoise will tell you, the Department of Education doesn't exactly work quickly either. And here's another story, apart from Colby. It's not the only example where the wheels are slow to move. Leishoffily... TD, Independent TD, Carl Nolan is with us. Deputy Nolan, good morning. Good morning, Will, and good morning to your listeners. So what was agreed to be developed at St. Brendan's School in Burr, and how long ago? Well, there was an additional accommodation of an ASD unit approved back in 2018 for the school. Mm, ASD? And since then, an ASD, uh, autism uh, spectrum disorder unit for children with autism. And that was approved five years ago. And within those five years, the school has continuously engaged with the department and has exhausted every avenue possible, as have I on the Education Committee and indeed with the Education Minister. 
But the problem is, and this is where the real uh, issue arises, is that in the space of those five years, the costs rose from from two million uh, to twelve million. And these rising sorry, costs from two to twelve. I thought yeah, you were going to give us some rate of inflation that was perhaps you know two to two and a half or something. Has the specification no, no. changed? There were some um, adjustments in terms of architectural work, but it's my understanding that it's the cost of materials that uh, totally increased the, the the price. That's that's now the cost of the of the building works, and of course this is totally outside of the control of the school because the school should have had this unit five years ago. They didn't, okay, and, and now they're being what, told what would, it's twelve million. Whether it's two million, whether it's twelve, what was the quotation to build? How big a unit? Well, it's my understanding that uh, the unit is, it's not very big, will it be the average size classroom? It would be based on an, an average classroom within a secondary school. Um, that would be the, the normal specifications of it. But uh, quite an average size room, nothing spectacular. And that was to be part of an extension built onto the main school so that the children would be incorporated and indeed included. Okay, and just to clarify, one classroom or two? It's a one classroom with one classroom, but there was also glazing works to be done as well. And just to clarify that uh, within the project that the, the school looked for to get delivery on from the department, we had the ASD unit and glazing works. Now, the glazing works were down for 2.5 million. The unit was down for 2 million in 2018. And the costs of these two projects, but the costs are mainly coming in on the unit site have risen as I say to 12 million. All right, okay, but it is it's still quite an increase but we're talking really from 4 million to 12 as opposed to 2 million to 12. Yes, exactly yeah, just to clarify, yeah. Still a rapid rate of inflation so where do things stand now uh, even if we accept building inflation to be at that level which is another conversation but what's the hold up? Well, look, I suppose the department now have come with a proposal uh, following my engagement with the minister before the Christmas recess. I was informed that, you know, that there's a proposal now for a a modular unit to be constructed at the school. And, you know, this, this is unacceptable and the school are deeply disappointed with this because it will pose serious challenges for them in that this unit will be more than likely not in close proximity to the main school building, which has implications for children with special educational needs who should be included in school life, as I stated earlier. And again, and it also and again sorry, if I may clarify, modular bills can be permanent or they can be temporary. Which are we talking about? Yeah, so yeah, it's temporary. And, and thanks for your question. Just to clarify that, it's a temporary measure. Um, so it's not a permanent solution and it certainly isn't a solution that the school feel is, is viable going into the future. They have a thousand children currently in the school. This number is rising all of the time, as is the demand, huge demand for places at second level for tu- students with ASD um, and other special educational needs. So, you know, they don't feel that, and rightly so. Um, the unit may not be connected or in close proximity to school. This poses huge challenges. And then, you know, that if the, if the, the building ever proceeds, um, you know, the school really wants the, the, the unit to be part of the new building. 
And just a temporary solution at this stage is not good enough because it was outside of the school's control in the first instance that the delays occurred. But just to play devil's advocate on this, a modular unit, temporary for now, would still be better than no unit, would it not? That argument is there, absolutely. But I suppose at this stage, the school aren't going to settle for the bare minimum, nor nor should they. They need long-term solutions. They've waited long enough. They've been very patient. And as I say, the numbers of students are increasing. And also the principal, Mr. John Kennedy, has also pointed out to me that if there were to be um, an on-site modular unit at an alternative location away from the school extension, it would be very difficult to connect the new classroom to the location, the main school, like um, to that location, the main school and other proposed SEN units. Okay, but at the same time, if they put the temporary structure where the permanent one is intended to be built, then there would be a period where they would have to take away that temporary structure while the construction is underway. And where would the students go in the meantime? The problem there is that um, St. Brendan's School is, uh, is it's regarded as a heritage um, school. It's a heritage site and it's, you know there would be issues. And Mr. Kennedy has pointed out that the heritage impact um, from that view, a new block in a different location is likely to have significant and a detrimental impact on the school, both functionally and visually. So, you know, this may not happen. It may not be allowed. So... I think there's a lack of thought on the department's uh, behalf with this. It may work for maybe the average school that isn't regarded, um, you know, in terms of heritage or hasn't that status attached to it. Like this is an old building and, um, you know, it has received awards, I believe, in the past. So but sometimes the department does what's called a desktop review. Somebody who's unfamiliar with the site will simply examine the paperwork and make a decision. What does the minister yeah, have to say about I this? Agree. Well, look, I'm waiting for um, more correspondence from the Minister. I have followed up with the Minister again, but um, I was informed by the Minister that the Department of Education and Planning Unit uh, of the, you know, the, the, the department that they have engaged and that my understanding is that, you know, at the additional school accommodation um for a two-classroom ASD base that the design team are continuing to work closely to progress this project to the next stage. But I have uh, corresponded with the Minister again in terms of the proposal for an ASD unit, uh, which I feel is unacceptable. So I'm awaiting the Minister's response on that. But her um, her last response to me before Christmas was that they were continuing to closely monitor the progress and uh, get it to the next stage. That was the last response I received from Minister Foley. Carl Nolan, Independent TD for Leash Offley. Thank you for taking our call today. Thank you, Will. Next, are you inclined to ignore women's sports? And if so, what are you missing? I'll tell you what a new survey for Lidl and the Ladies Gaelic Football Association says after these. Love the Midlands? Love Midlands Today. Midlands 103. Nearly six out of ten Irish people admit they have never attended a live women's sporting event in this country. So what are you missing out on? Well, David Hollywood is here from the Midlands 103 Sports Department. Good morning. Good morning, Will. Tell us more about these findings and who carried out the survey. 
Lidl, well, Red Sea on behalf of Lidl carried them out. And it's actually worth pointing out that Lidl have done very good work in this area and obviously to their own ends. Um, they are the title sponsors of the National Football League and ladies football. Um, they have often to promote the league, which is starting up over the course of, I think there's actually Division 4 is back in action this weekend. They they commissioned this research and then they show, look, this is the situation. It maybe drives a bit of conversation, but it also maybe motivates people to check their own kind of perspective and be like, why is it that I'm not engaging with this? And um, this is just another in a long line of of uh, polls that they've commissioned. And as you say, the headline there, 60 percent of Irish people admit they've never attended a live women's sporting event in the country. Um, now, bear in mind, 29 uh, percent have never attended a live men's event it's so you know okay, but it, it, it's uh, the, yes there's a portion of the population who are just not engaging with sport that's exactly. fine but there's a much bigger proportion not engaging with women's sport very true and the picture is changing gradually but there are some negative findings in this uh, research uh, almost half say that men's sport is generally better to watch that would discourage me more to be honest if someone does give women's sport the time of day that they walk away with the conclusion that men's sport's better, it's losing a lot of what I think are it, it's it's it, you need a bit of context when you're watching a sport that's developing uh, in, compared to a sport that's been established for so so long. Um, very glad to say that joining us to talk about this issue actually is a former uh, Leash Ladies footballer. Many will be familiar uh, with her on Midlands 103 from her work with the Leash Ladies uh, commentary team with Pat O'Sullivan. Mags McAvoy, how are you keeping? Hi David, how are you? Grand, thanks. Um, look, you've been hearing what we've been saying about this uh, research. From your perspective, how does it feel when you consider that six in ten Irish people admit that they've never attended a live women's, women's sporting event? And don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Look, it, I suppose, look, it's great that uh, Little have co- commissioned a survey like this and, and got the, these findings because, you know, data um, information is power, as we, as we well know. And yeah, 59% is quite high compared to, as you said, the 29% um, on the men's side. And look, it is it is disappointing, I guess. Um, there's a lot of factors that have added into that. You know, there's, you know, um, you can look at from a club and a county board perspective, um, you know, people that potentially um, are not going are not aware of it, you know. Um, and I know, as, as you alluded to as well, TG Cat are a huge sponsor um, as well mm. with the LGFA, a, a good partner to have uh, and a fantastic partner to have. Um, but p- potentially, you know, like what you said as well, some of the games are kicking off in the next weekend. Um, you know, there's a huge Division One um, match on the 20th. Um, of January, so like you know, the All Ireland finalists Dublin are playing Kerry in Parnell Park. So, so people potentially, if they knew about it, would love to go to to a game like that and, and in a, a fantastic ground like Parnell Park. Um, um, but maybe are potentially not aware of it. Um, so, so things like that, you know, there there is a huge amount of items on the agenda that we could speak about. But, um, yeah, fifty nine percent is is concerning. So, as we've outlined there. Let's look at your area of expertise. Ladies Gaelic football has got um, some good things in place, be it with TG Carr's work and uh, with Lidl's very impressive sponsorship and marketing, I would say. You know, mm-hmm. their, their marketing campaigns in terms of posters and that type of thing. Um, I think many people would recognise it from shopping in the shopping uh, in the shops. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you've got players running up the hill and it's that great metaphor about the struggle that shouldn't be a struggle. That's in say, ladies' football's favour. 
what needs to be done? Is is there an issue maybe with the administration of the, of the sport on a county by county basis? It seems like from an association perspective, there's a challenge there in getting everybody aligned. There, there is. Look, and and like what you said, I think it, Little and um, TG Carter have done a huge amount of work in that kind of uh, you know marketing element of it, trying to get people out there, trying to get individual. I think they, they establ- establishing a connection with individuals as well is a huge part of, of of the promotion of the game as well. You know, creating those those links to to kind of female role models. And I think Little have done a huge amount um, of brand ambassadorship. Um, you know, trying to get girls into the supermarkets, the posters everywhere, mm. getting the ad campaigns out there. So they've done a huge amount of work in that in that regard. But I think there's probably a lot, uh, still uh, more to do. Um, but yeah, I think uh, as what you said, I think um, you know clubs and and county boards alike have um, a huge opportunity as well. You know, um, in a kind of that PRO element of trying to get um, people, um, you know, information out there. Um, and also, you know, uh, venues and ticket sales and all of that, and, you know, venues can be difficult for people to get to, you know, if you're talking about trying to get families and trying to get people there on a weekend, on a Saturday evening, on a, on a Sunday, you know, you have to bear in mind where these, where these games are, are they easily accessible? Um, are they in a venue that is, is uh, friendly, family friendly? You know, you're trying to give people an experience when they come here. Um, and when they come to games, it's not only that education around the game, uh, like what you said earlier, the men's and women's game is very different, uh, given the, the 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 rule set and stuff like that are a little bit different. But it's it, it's trying to get people um, to come and actually have an experience while while there. Mm. So the venues and all that, um, David, you know, we are at the mercy, I suppose, of, of the GA in that regard in, in, within the merger. Um, and hopefully that will kind of align um, vision and, and opportunities for, for to get these games in um, bigger venues before men's games, you know, to entice people to be there. But it's, but it's you know, it's about it's about taking risks and getting people out there and, um, you know, pushing the boundaries and, and not taking no for an answer, I guess. Yeah, and I think what you just said there makes so much sense is to have um, kind of ladies football on the same day, the same venue as a big ticket men's game that's going to attract big, big crowds and then you can really grow the seeds of interest in the younger generation. It's worth pointing out as well that once women's sport has had a chance to establish itself and it's at a high level of competitiveness for a long time and then it's equally a spectacle to the men's games if you look at something like tennis for instance I don't think anybody really quibbles about the difference between men's and women's tennis uh, so you'd have that hope for um, the likes of Camogie and ladies football that um, over time with further investment and further attention and further support um, the spectacle of athleticism and accuracy and power that we enjoy in both both codes of both games for both genders will just get better and better for women's sport. Hundred percent, yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, like what you said, I think it's just it's pushing those boundaries, David. It's 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 not taking no for an answer. I think if anybody thought, you know, that um, an Irish female boxer would come back and, and uh, hold on uh, hold a main event in Dublin a couple of years ago, I think people would say absolutely not. Can't see it there's no way a female is going to bring a main event into Dublin uh, especially on a, on a on a massive card um you know but our own Katie Taylor has actually done that so you know it's it, and I'm not I'm not comparing like for like that's obviously not like for like but it's just about not taking no for an answer and trying to I mean the females that are playing at the moment um at an intercounty level they are you know they train extremely hard to put on 
the best individual performance and on a team level um, that they can. So I think it's about the people now in the background equally putting in that effort and trying to get the, this this game that we love so much on, on a stage. You know, um, some of the stats as well on that survey, you know, there's probably, I'm not exactly sure, but I think it's a 60-40 split on actually the supporters attending 60% of men 40% of women. So I think we also need to, to, the people that are behind the scenes, you know, need to push, uh, need to push the boundaries and also need to support our own as well. You know, we need to get more female um, supporting female at these games as well and, and try to get the, those stats up. Um, but, you know, there is an appetite there. You know, I think in the same report, almost 70, 75% said it, it's a real shame that it's, you know, that's, that's, the 60% of people are not attending. So mm-hmm. there is a real appetite there for it. Um, I just think we need to make it a little bit more accessible um, for people for people to get there. That's it. It's kind of build it and they will come situation there, especially when you consider that, like you say, three quarters are sympathetic on the issue. Um, so they really should be accommodated in every way that they can do. And the Katie Taylor reference, I think, is apt as well, considering how she's single-handedly changed the face of women's sport in terms of boxing. Uh, just to finish up, Mags, we're heading into the National League season. Um, we'll get your perspective on Leash. Um, but from a Midlands perspective, Offaly, Westmeath, uh, Leash, um, they're, they're probably not at their very highest ebb heading into 2024 collectively. Uh, Leash are up at that senior level, but probably a tricky season to come as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, and you know, there's a lot of uh, practice games and um, familiarity, I suppose, happening right now um, with the the Christmas season just just finishing. So a lot of training going in, um, and obviously we're we're well aware there's a new setup um, in with Leash. The guys have come in and. Um, you know, a lot of the, the, the namesakes, a lot of the leaders that we would be very familiar with seeing on team sheets um, have decided, um, you know, to step away for, for different reasons, travel and, and all of that. So I think come, you know, the start of the, the, the league campaign, I think we'll see a very different leash side. Um, I think it'll be, you know, it, it's a tough test for them um, in their league campaign, um, as we saw last year as well. And, and coming into that kind of senior championship, Leinster championship, it'll be extremely difficult. But overall, uh, as a as a Leinster campaign, I think I'm really looking forward to seeing not just Leach, but, you know, how Offaly and Westmead progress as well. And, and Kildare and Dublin, obviously, and an exciting match, as I said, on the 20th of January as well. Um, and that one is live on TG Car if people can't, can't get to it. But um, yeah, really exciting. Looking forward to um, getting back into to watching a few games. Yeah, we'll be catching up with you throughout the season, of course. Mags, thanks very much for taking our call this morning. No worries. Thanks, Mel. Yeah, I remember it's five years ago now. Becky Lynch headlined WrestleMania and never yes. will you get a more cynical, hard to please crowd than a wrestling audience in the United States. This was in New Jersey as well, MetLife Stadium. Very tough crowd. She headlined it and it was the most successful, highest drawing event WWE had staged to that point. So you know, it's high time we in Ireland cottoned on a little bit. But this is it. And the Katie Taylor reference, uh, like Becky as well, that you know, humans are humans. Once they have charisma, they're in, 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 intriguing and entertaining. Mm. And and ultimately, it's just about platforming the people who have got that about them and, and developing more people who have it. Well said. David Hollywood, thank you very much. 
Disagree? Feel free. Text or WhatsApp Midlands today yeah. on 083 103. Midlands 103. Four weeks ago, Midlands 103's Peter Dunn decided it would be a good idea to challenge himself to raise money for Barrettstown Children's Charity and run 42 kilometres, a full marathon. And so the training is underway. But is he regretting it? If you've heard the other three Get Active episodes here on radio or you got them on our podcast section, you'll probably say, that lad does nothing but give out. And you may have a point. So from the start, I said I'll be completely honest about what it's like to go through marathon training. So if I'm not enjoying it, I will tell you. If I'm in pain, I will tell you. If it's an amazing experience, I will tell you. So far, I've picked up uh, a lot of sore muscles that have eased off recently and a couple of knocks and niggles that, well, I'm still wrestling with. But we soldier on this week on the back of running 12 kilometres on New Year's Eve and we need to run 5 kilometres on Tuesday, 6.5 on Wednesday, 5 on Thursday and then 13 on Sunday and try to squeeze in a little light training on Saturday. I'm actually starting to question the training plan a little bit. So I'm going to give Dr. Diane Cooper from EduFit in Port Arlington a call to have a look wrong. We're going right and I have to pop into Physio Central in Tor where Carl Egan is going to carry out gait analysis. So let's go. Get active with Midlands 183. Powered by HearMed Healthcare in the heart of Tullamore. Here when you need us. HearMed.ie So on New Year's Day, which was technically a rest day, we decided to bring the family out for a cycle. Nice and easy going and ended up doing about six kilometres in the end, which felt nice. It was a nice little recovery after the 12 kilometres the day before. But then the following day... You hear that sound... That's the sound of the lashing rain beating down on the car as I'm sat outside the gym. And my God, I am thankful I joined the gym on days like this, definitely. When um, I've just passed people on the road there who are out pounding the pavements, running. And uh, I'm looking at them thinking, thanks be to God, that's not me. Thanks be to God, I'm on the way to the gym to do a workout on a treadmill on days like this. It's uh, Tuesday and uh, it's the first run after um, we did 12k on Sunday, an unexpected 12k that was on New Year's Eve and I'm absolutely buzzing afterwards because I've been doing a lot of moaning these last few weeks, I'm not going to lie to you, because I've picked up injury after injury but at the moment I feel really good. So just out from the uh, first 5k of the week, I didn't do 5k I did over six and a half kilometers. It's a really weird one because I was buzzing going into it. I just, I flew it. It's really weird. Um, I had no aches, a little ache in the bottom of my neck, in the middle of my back that seems to keep popping up every so often. But apart from that, the legs, the hips, the calf muscles, God forbid it had been plaguing me. Perfect. And I just kept going and going and going and going and I felt good. Uh, so I said, look, if it feels good, keep going. And uh, tomorrow I don't think I'm going to run. I think I'm going to deviate away from the plan a little bit. And I might go for a a cycle instead. um, Or hop in the exercise bike. Whatever. Depending on this weather. But um, yeah, I think I'll do something like that. And then hope to go 
uh, another distance on Thursday for a run as well. I popped into Cahill Egan in Physio Central Tullamore because he said to me, come in and get your gait analysed and we'll have a look at your feet. We're basically just doing kind of a quick check on foot shape, movement, type of foot. We'll do a quick scan on the gait plate, which does uh, ground reaction forces. So now we have to get onto the gait plate, which analyses where you put pressure on your feet when you're walking or running. And at this stage, we're looking at the results. Oh, do you never think the amount of weight that's been put on two small parts of the foot? Yeah, that's roughly where it should be. Sometimes that can get overloaded. That's when we could talk about that kind of pain. Right, pain. yeah, yeah. Especially if you're, you're pronated. He's showing me a little heat map of the parts of the foot that touch the ground. Cahill is now taking a 3D picture of my feet. I've never seen my feet at this angle before. Your foot from the inside there too. You can see you can get the proper arch height. You can get the... Wow, that's really freaky. Just looking at a foot rotating on uh, on an iPad. So now what Cahill is going to do is send off the results to the company and they'll custom make the insert soles for my runners and I'll have to break them in over a period of about two weeks and then I'll be ready to try them out. Um, I don't know what that was about, but I uh, I went in to do a six and a half kilometer run and I ended up doing a seven kilometer run in about 40 minutes. And then I did a cycle for about half an hour. So I feel great after it. Um, I, I felt good during it and I felt great after it. So um, I just said, look, to hell with it. I don't know, it was a guilt from missing out on doing a workout yesterday. Or something I'm not sure but um, I feel good I'll, uh, I'll keep you posted I decided to bite the bullet and while I was waiting for the insert soles to be made up I went to the sports shop and I got a new pair of runners the difference is amazing heavenly almost so I take my new runners with me and we head for the road for our long run on Sunday so that's it we just finished uh, 15 kilometers exactly so that's our our long run today, uh, starting out, it was uh, very icy on the roads, so we decided to go a gritted route on the roads, and with that comes, I suppose, a little, a little bit of difficulty, there's a safety risk as well, you know, we're on a national road, and cars are, are going past at like 100 kilometres an hour, some even faster again, and uh, you would be wary out in the road, Chris, you, there was times where there's cars about 12 inches away from you. Yeah, there was there was people overtaking beside us and all, so it's, safety is very, very important, and I suppose today we were, I'm not going to say irresponsible, but the fog probably had a factor for us today, you yeah. know. But we had we had fairly bright clothes on, which is which is very important. So next week now we'll we'll be doing sixteen k, and uh, I, I haven't actually told Peter this off air, but I have two surprises planned. So two next, surprises next week. Just <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll have a bit of fun next week. Is that a good surprise or a bad surprise? The recordings could be very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Hi Peter, Morris here. Best of luck with the training for both the half and full Martins. I'll join you for a few runs along the way. Bardstown, a great service to fundraise for. Chat soon. Hey Peter, David Hollywood here. After giving it due consideration, I'm going to take you up on your very generous offer to run the Mullingar Half Marathon. Let's be clear, I'm in it for free training tips. Now, hopefully this is the start of an Avengers Assemble montage. Hey Peter, Michael here. Um... So I took the weekend to think about that offer he gave me about the half marathon in Mullingar. And you know what? I think I'll do it. Surely it can't be that bad. 
Hi, Peter. With all of the naivety and the optimism of somebody entering married at first sight, I do. I do, I do, I do. For better, for worse, for fitter, for sure. In less sickness and more health, I am launching myself right out of my comfort zone. I can't do the Mullingar, but I will commit to the training. I do, I do. Am I mad? Peter, you can count me in. Ronan Berry here from Taking Care of Business. New Year's resolution number one, don't read texts, WhatsApp messages or emails from Peter Dunn because there's always a catch. But in fairness to you, as always, there's a great catch on this one. I can't join you on the day after the half marathon, but as I said before, happy to contribute in my own way. Maybe running a half marathon later in the year myself. That is absolutely amazing. So we're going to have a Midlands 103 team running on St. Patrick's Day in Mullingar, which will be absolutely amazing. Will you be joining us? As I said to you earlier, I'm questioning the plan we're using for training. Do you have to stick with it? Is it overdoing it? Is it underdoing it? I'm not sure. So I gave Diane Cooper from EduFit in Port Arlington a call to go through the plan and tell us more. (laughs) Do you want the honest advice, Peter? Absolutely. 100% (laughs) honest, Diane. (laughs) Right. If if I was doing this as a first timer and having no endurance uh, experience, I would be giving myself an awful lot longer to train. Right. But um, it is what it is. You have your marathon booked in. You're going to go for it. So my advice would be to do the best that we can do to get you there um, as well as possible injury-free, ideally, and yep. that you'll get through it as best as possible. Peter, for you, I need to get you off that treadmill. <laughs> really? <laughs> we need to get you out of that warm room with no wind or rain okay. or all of, you know, you're, 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 you know, if you're going to put your, yourself and your body through a marathon in only a matter of months, you need to get off that treadmill, right? Right, okay. Um, obviously, I'm saying this and this week it's quite icy, right? Mm. I, I understand that, that will be a case possibly for treadmill running, but after that, you need to be outside battling the elements. It's much more difficult to run outside than it is on the treadmill. And also mm. what I would do, one thing, there's a lot I would do to the programme if we had more time. Mm-hmm. So there's one thing I would do, Peter, for you, for one of your runs. You need a few hills, right? Okay. You need a little bit, of, you need to get some strength into those legs because once you go past 15 or 16 miles, if you don't have any strength in them, that's where it's really going to start kicking in. Right, right. And okay. It's, it's absolutely brutal if or when it happens to you. So one of those runs needs to be a really easy hilly-ish run they don't have to be huge just get outside and get somewhere where even if they're nice slow rolling gradual hills if you start that now it will pay you back tenfold by the time you get to marathon I love what you've done I think you are so brave for oh, someone who has no endurance background. Brave or stupid, honestly, like, one or the other. <laughs> well, you know what? In, you know, no, brave. Okay, so, you know, picking Thanks, goals and, 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 and dedicating yourself to them and committing to them. This is a big thing, okay? And I have absolute full appreciation for what you're doing. I, I really think it's brilliant. And I encourage anyone to, to, you know, pick something this year, a big achievement, go for it. I hope to hear that you're injury free, you're feeling fantastic, <laughs> you're loving your long runs <laughs> and Me you're too. having a great time. <laughs> For an extended version of our interview with Dr. Diane Cooper from EduFit in Port Arlington, check out the podcast on midlands103.com or wherever you get your podcast. All you have to do is search Get Active with Midlands 103. 
Remember, all this madness is for a good cause. It's for Barristown Children's Charity. And you can pop onto Midlands103.com right now if you would like to donate. It's the first thing you'll see is get active with Midlands 103. Click on that and you can make a donation. And thanks everyone who's donated so far. Your donation will make a world of a difference in a child's life and in a family's life as well. Next week, that surprise Christy is promising me, I honestly don't have a clue what it is. Let's try switch up the plan a little bit. And while I'm asking my body to do something it's never done before, I think it's probably a good idea to get a health check. So tune in next Wednesday after 8am on breakfast after 11am on Midlands today and get the podcast on midlands103.com or wherever you get your podcast. Just search Get Active with Midlands 103. Get Active with Midlands 183. Powered by HearMed Healthcare in the heart of Tullamore. Hear when you need us. HearMed.ie Thanks, Peter. And he's roped me in as well, which is not going to be pretty. So... Anyway, follow the progress on the Midlands 103 socials. A little birdie tells me Brian Cowan is celebrating his birthday today. Happy birthday, Brian, if you're listening. And coming up after 12 on the afternoon show, Niall talks Star Wars, motoring, underpants, and how the Brits are at it again, apparently. Plus your chance to win tickets to see On Or live in Burr Theatre and Arts Centre. But next, the campaign to send Joey for life-saving surgery in Chicago. As I look at it now, €302,700. Just a whisker away from that target of 330 k Meet Natalie Conway, his mum, next. The name you trust. With the news you need. Midlands Today with Will Faulkner. Midlands 103. €302,938. That's how much has been raised for little Joey Conway, who, as you may have heard, has a rare form of hypertension and he needs life-saving surgery in the United States, which is going to cost €330,000. His mum, Natalie, is back with us. Morning. Good morning, Will. You were only in a week ago, and at the time, I think there was still €200,000 to go. It seemed almost insurmountable. Mm -hmm. And yet here we are. How are you feeling? Oh, it's hard to put into words, actually. You know, um, even speaking with Shannon, who was trying to organise us to come in today, and she was telling me, oh, it's 202000 or 222000 I should say. That was 24 hours ago. Yeah, Mm. literally. And... It's just been unbelievable. I thought we'd be coming in to say, oh, yeah, we've, you know, it's 230,000, you know, and we're going well and this is going on. And it's just got so much momentum now. And, and did it, you see the video last night? One I Shane Lowry? I know. Isn't it amazing? Um, we've great people here in Offaly. Um, and none other than Shane Lowry has really pushed pushed it out there um, and very generously made a donation as well. And, you know, we're very grateful for that because that really did get a bit of the ball rolling big time and that's I suppose where we are now um, and we've there's so many people who've liked and shared and you know it's, it's, it's mm. I know Shane was a big push there um, I know Michael Dygan did, did it during the week as well you know and if I was to start naming everyone I'd, I'd, I'd insult someone well but, you've got six and a half yeah exactly I'll be here all day yeah. here all day Will but um, no no it, no he it was it's really appreciated um, you know 
I suppose when we sit back and really look at it, it'll really hit home what's, you know, mm. been achieved. And, you know, there's great people around, great people in Tullamore, Offaly and Ireland, worldwide even, because, you know, we've all, we all have family members throughout the world and, you know, they've tapped into their own communities there as well. So, Well, let's just have a quick listen to Shane, because I think he sums up all of our sentiments. I'd just like to put a message out there. If anybody is able to give anything or help towards this cause, everyone in Tullamore and Offaly and the wider community be very grateful. I'm going to put a link in my bio and I'm going to put a link on this message and um, just give whatever you can. Um, like I said, we'd all be very grateful and let's join together for Joey and get this little fella to America and um, help save his life. Mm-hmm. And you're nearly there in financial terms. Nearly there. Yeah, um, I love that actually what Shane said, the little fella. We call him our little man and he was always a little pet or baby Joey, but the little fella. So that might catch on now going forward. It might. <laughs> and look, anybody who wants to Google Joey Conway, go fund me. It'll bring you straight to that link. And uh, yeah, it's just just shy of the 303,000 euro mark. Can I ask you about something that happened during the week? I saw your video update. He gave you a scare. He did. Yeah, the little devil. He keeps us on our toes. Like we, you know, we shared a story initially and we didn't think it happened in the middle of all this. But yeah, um, we actually had a great evening over with the Offaly senior footballers and the Leash senior footballers before the O'Byrne Cup. And it was brief. It was just hello and meet and greet, quick photo and we're on our way. But it was lovely. And um, then we all went to bed. Well, Mammy and Daddy were watching. I think we were watching the darts. I think I said we were, as everyone else was. But um, yeah, we heard a strange sound that we're always on alert for. And mm. um, I went straight up and he couldn't breathe in the cot. So, you know, your worst nightmare as a parent, I suppose. And, you know, um, we, I knew, we, need, we knew immediately we needed help. Um, so we rang the ambulance and he... They responded yeah, quickly? They did. We were kind of toying with, do we go ourselves? Do we wait? And obviously they advised, you know, we listened to the advice, obviously. We waited and um, the help came and we were in Mullingar then. And thankfully he got better very quickly. He responded really quickly. Um, and he was, I think I think we shared a video as well online that he was laughing halfway through um, the treatment over there. You know, I think it took four hours. So in the end, it was thankfully one of those childhood that most children get, croup um, and a strider. And when things like that happen to Joey, it does escalate very quickly because the system's under so much pressure anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, you, that's you, the way we live. You can't afford to be complacent. You have to take everything as potentially life-threatening. Exactly, yeah. Like, it, it immediately it reminded me of when he was in the ICU, coming off the ventilator when they were checking if he mm-hmm. could and he didn't cope with it. It just brought back that trauma very quickly. Um then we're wondering, is this a sepsis? You know, he couldn't breathe. Is it taking hold of something else? It just your mind races when you're living on the edge like this. And, you know, it's it's a, it's not a nice place to be, but we do our best for him. And I suppose, like any parent, that's why we, you know, we're doing what we are doing now. And you, you want to make want to improve his quality of life, whatever but ours. I know it's our, ours at the minute is you're living on edge. But for him, he's he just is not living. He's, he's happy because everyone can see him laughing and smiling, mm. but... He must be miserable. He must have a system that's just making him feel miserable most of the time. And we just want him to be happy and healthy and be a normal two-year-old boy. And of course, you have the two other kids to consider as that's well it. and keep life as normal for them. You're balancing an awful lot. But yes. at least the financial challenge is getting smaller and smaller mm. and smaller and smaller. You're yeah. nearly there. I know, it's amazing. So what will be the plan when you smash that €330,000 threshold? Oh, um, I don't know. Take a little breather and just, I don't know, just 
say thank you. And I think that's the biggest thing. I don't think people, I'm, I'm sure people do realise, but it, it will just be so life changing for Joey alone, but for us to be able to make that phone call or send that email mm. to say, look, we have this now. When can we get there? And I think it's a matter of we can go, we'll we'll make it work. Um, I suppose it's just the, the matters that be over there. Maybe the money will talk now, I don't know. But we do hope um, it'll be before June. But if I think we have a provisional date, it might be June. But And they said February, so we don't know. There's a few dates thrown around. But now, as as I just said, I suppose money might talk a little yeah, bit. Well, so time we'll is get of there the soon. Essence. Time and is of the essence for Joey. Yeah. You, you can push forward with confidence. Not quite at the finish line yet. We don't no. want that to be lost in this. There's still, if you have the few euro buried under the mattress, now's the time to dig it out. And if you can, do give generously. And again, search for Joey Conway on GoFundMe. But Natalie, you're in a far better position than you were mm. only this day last week. So I thank know. you so much for coming in to us once again. Thank you. And thank you for having us. And thank you for your support here, everybody. It's been it's amazing. And thank you to everyone out there as well listening. It's just even the message of support is it goes a long way as well. Um, and thank you very much, everybody. Natalie Conway, bringing the programme to a close this morning. Shannon Fogarty put it all together and we'll do so again tomorrow. And we'll be back on your radio from 9am. Midlands Today with Bus Erin. Use your TFI Young Adult or Students Leap Card on board Bus Erin services as part of the Transport for Ireland network. Visit buserin.ie today.